good, yeah, my dad. Ain't no better day. If it's no worries, even though the rest of your day. There it is. It's your eight year contract. 100 mil. Acuna Jr. Welcome to Baseball Tangents. This is Kyle Lewis. And this is Jeff Hayward. Hi, Jeff. Uh, I've got some follow-up from last week, um, from our last episode. I can't wait. And it has to do with a little school in Southern California called Azusa Pacific University. Azusa Pacific University, the fight song. So we, we were speculating about Azusa Pacific and their presence as a baseball school. So I, I did a little bit of research, and turns out there have been 51 players from Azusa Pacific drafted by Major League Baseball teams um, starting as far back as like the 40s. I think it was 47. Um, eight players have made it to the majors, total of 15.5 war between them. Uh, Steven Vogt, probably one of the most uh, recognizable. Kirk Neuenheis mm-hmm. also. Uh, mm-hmm. in there yeah um L- like younger than the olden ice yep uh i wanted to uh play a little bit of the game i like to play with you which is uh real player or not real player my favorite thing and uh i'm right 50 percent of the time one of these one of these people uh went to azusa pacific and then was drafted into the major leagues and played uh in the majors okay um so the question is is it a real player wayne edwards or ed wayne God, I hope Wayne Edwards is the real guy. Is that your final answer? Yeah, Wayne Edwards. Wayne Edwards is correct. Yes! Uh, Wayne Edwards was drafted in 1989. He played for the Chicago White Sox. A total of 62 games between 89 and 91. He was a reliever. His career war is 0.8. Do you, th- do you, think, that having, do you think that having two first names gives you an upper hand? No. I mean, look, people can call you whichever name they want, and it's... It's the, it's like not a surname. You know what I mean? I have two first names. I, I know. People call me whatever they want anyway. People call you Louie. People start singing, Louie, Louie. No, it's... No. <laughs> when I was younger, this was actually true. Yeah? Yes. Moving on. Uh, things that have happened recently. Tell me. Well, uh, the Reds have played two games in spring training. They won one of those games. They lost the other game. The game they won had some big hits in it. Uh, there's no video of this, of course, because spring training doesn't offer those things consistently. What's up with that? Why? Why? That makes no sense. They want people to go to Florida or Arizona, and it's just not really worth it. There's not like a market for streaming this video that's getting recorded anyway because the teams like are going to watch, right? There's tape. Where does the tape come from, by the way? So some uh, some of it is filmed by Major League Baseball. Some of it comes from the the teams that have the cable contracts. Um, I think there's a, a variety of places, but in the end, it's just not economically feasible because there's not enough people watching this to run ads against it to pay for all the time. Remember, baseball is a business. Uh, okay. Also, uh, the I was reading... What whole- does it cost? I mean, really, what does it cost to stream something that's firewall, you know, that it's, that's got a, it's gated? Like, is there a paywall? 
and you're already streaming. Yeah, you have a good you have a good point, and I I don't have an answer for how much it costs, but also how much does it cost to pay every minor leaguer minimum wage? Sure. Okay. Or a living, you know, a livable wage, but that's once again baseball's business. Mm-hmm. I'm not in control of that. Um, the Giants uh, won two games, and um, they have a whole bunch of players that I have never heard of that are playing right now. Great. Um, but the Eventual Buster Posey replacement has been playing a little bit. His name's Joey Bart, and he looks pretty good. Um, I know that the Reds are basically splitting the squad and playing half of their supposed starters every other day. So they're if the Reds lose every game, not really surprising, but they're trying out a lot of players. Do uh, they do they like pick? How do they split it? Is it a A squad and B squad, or like two equal A squads? It's kind of two equal squads as far as I can tell, but they've only played two games. But I think that's what David Bell, the Reds manager, is planning to do. Is that like the most typical way to do it? Um, you see that with split squad things, but uh, especially with so many new players this year, it might be that they are just feeling out different people at different positions. and have The Reds particularly have quite a few outfielders, and so they're figuring out who should play in what position and also who maybe plays well with each other. Makes sense. Yeah, they're figuring it out. Um, yeah, that's kind of what's going on. In other recent news, and this is somewhat unexpected. Mm, mm. Oh, we're talking about unexpected things now. Well, we're going to move around a little bit. Oh, but have okay. you heard the news about uh, someone called Mason Saunders? Yes. I happen to hear this because I happen to see it. But tell me more about this. Well, can, can, can you tell me who Mason Saunders is? I can tell you. Should I just give it away now? Yeah, yeah go for Mason it. Mason Saunders is a cowboy. He rides the bull. He does the old eight seconds. And he also has a fastball like you wouldn't believe and has three World Series championship rings. Am I on to, am I on to something? Yeah, you, you're right. Okay, who am I to? What is it now? Madison Bumgarner. Has, Bummy. Has at some point in the recent past, including as recently as this December, participated in professional... Bull riding, bull PBR, riding and and roping, roping. Oh, the rope. Yeah, that's right. You're right. The, it's not the riding; it's the roping that he's doing. And it, and it's a team roping, uh, which I don't know what that means really. I don't know if he's just throwing something and someone else is possibly the one who is you know putting themselves out there to get injured. I'm not sure, but I think there's um, like two pe- I think there's two people on two different horses that go and rope the same calf or whatever, right? Mm. Mm, I yeah, think yeah. I'm not talking about a dude's leg. I'm talking about like an animal. Yeah, yeah, a baby cow. That's the one. Um, this is interesting. This is also pulling him over from last week. We talked about I'm going to last week a little bit. Yeah, I mean he's an ex giant and he's probably one of the most famous giants of the last ten years. Um, speaking of, actually, random stat segment here. Heyo, just for fun. Just for fun. I was looking at um. R.A. Dickey's 2012 season when he won the Cy Young and um, led the National League in strikeouts. Was, what, is, what is this guy's name? R.A. Dickey. R.A. Dickey? Yeah. As a, like initials? Yeah. I don't actually know what his name is, and I'm not going to look it up. Can we guess? Can we speculate? Sure. Okay. Randy Ralph, Ann. That, Randy Ann. That's good. That's not bad. That's not bad. Randy Ann. <laughs> Randy Ann. <laughs> yeah. That's... <laughs> Yeah, I uh, once 
I once knew a Randy Ann. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> we'll continue. Let's let's move on. Let's move okay. on. So R.A. Dickey led the league in um, strikeouts in 2012 with something low, like 239 or something, 230. It was not very many. But as I was looking at the list, I was seeing some familiar names, and I thought to myself, okay, who led the league? Uh, and I'm now I'm looking at majors, but who led Major League Baseball in strikeouts in 2019? Jeff, do you know? No. Garrett Cole. How would I know that? Uh, he was like the best pitcher in baseball last year. But, That's fair. Um, he had 326 strikeouts last year. Now, who was second in strikeouts in Major League Baseball? You're going to tell me. Well, there's another guy who played for the Astros and a guy who's a good bit older than Garrett Cole. That's Justin Verlander. Mm-hmm. You know that name. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Okay. Who do you think led the majors in strikeouts in 2009? Who? Justin Verlander. Yeah. Uh, Justin Verlander had 269 strikeouts in 2009, and in 2019, he had 300. Whatever he's on, give me some of that. Yeah, what? What? Uh. Justin Verlander is just one of the most reliable, robust pitchers. And um, who was he with in 2009? Detroit. Okay. Has he only been with Detroit and the Astros? Correct. We beat him. We, the Giants beat him in while he was at Detroit. Like in the World Series. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He only got to pitch once because it was a sweep. Mm. You remember the sweeping slider from Sergio Romo? Mm hmm. Yeah, it was a good, good one. Mm-hmm. Striking out. Who did he strike out for that? Uh, the last strikeout of the game. Who is the only person to win a triple crown in our lifetimes? I don't know. Miguel Cabrera. There you go. Who, one of the slowest players in baseball, once again followed to last week. That's right. The follow up. Um, other interesting things, Jeff. Who in two thousand nine was second in strikeouts in Major League Baseball? I don't know. Tell me. Who won the Cy Young in 2009? The Cy Young winner. Who wore number 55 for the Giants? Timmy Lindsay. That's right. Tim Lindsay, 261 strikeouts in 2009. Um, He was second in the league? Second in in the majors, yeah. Um, Just for fun, uh, a little further down the list, number seven in 2009 was Felix Hernandez. Felix Hernandez... No longer with Seattle, where mm-hmm. he was crowned King Felix, and they had uh, the the King's Court, which was like the King Felix cheering section. Uh, Felix, Her- Felix Hernandez has been signed to a minor league deal with the Braves, a one-year deal. This is heavily incentive-laden. I did get to watch a little bit of his first appearance for the Braves the other night, and he looked good. His changeup particularly looked really good, and... While his velocity is quite a bit down, I think he hit 90. Um, maybe it was his fastest pitch. I should look it up. But his changeup really played, and it just just died. And so people were, were missing it. He was getting swings and misses. So Okay. Um, pretty fun there. Um, another fun, uh, fun couple names in this top 10 here. Uh, Dan Heron, 223 strikeouts, sixth in the majors. Uh, no longer... Um, no longer playing baseball, but now a um, he is a assistant pitching coordinator or something. Assistant other. to the pitching coordinator. Assistant to the pitching coordinator in L.A. for the Dodgers. Um, other fun names, uh, Doc Holliday, 
Um, with 208 strikeouts for Toronto and Giovanni Gallardo, um, when he was kind of um, trying to, he was kind of on an upswing right there um, with Milwaukee, 204 strikeouts. Um, interestingly, um, 10th place in strikeouts in 2019 was 238. So roughly, what is that, 20% more? Sure. Yeah, it's uh, sizable. Anyway, moving on from pitchers. Um, Wait, hang on. We never got to the thing about Mason Saunders. Sanders. Saunders. Saunders. It's it's Madison Bumgarner's wife's maiden name. Is is what? Mason? No, it's Saunders. It's... Mason is just Madison without some letters. <laughs> That's good. So why why did this even come up? Um, I, somebody was doing some reporting. Someone smart was doing reporting. I don't know who. Oh, I see what you're saying. He got like he got caught. Sort of. He got caught, and how? Did, I mean, that's crazy, though, right? That's crazy. Yes. Mason Saunders. It's a uh, Duke Silver, is what it is. It is Duke Silver. It's Duke Silver. So, speaking of pitching, also I, a fantastic name, by the way, Duke Silver. Yes, it's it's really good. Um, I was walking the dog this morning. I was thinking about. Reds pitching and just where where the Reds pitching is going to be this year. And then I was remembering that last year, um, the Reds got a bunch of players that came from the Dodgers in a trade for money and getting Homer Bailey's bad contract out of um, out of the Reds organization. And they yeah. got Puig and this guy, Kyle Farmer, and Alex Wood. And then Puig continued to uh, be like a stand-up gentleman for Cincinnati. Puig was actually really great as a human being. Right. Um, as it turns out, Puig, who has this incredible arm and we think of as being very fast, um, and I I guess I'd always thought of him as being a plus defender, um, had zero defensive war in 98 games at Great American Ballpark. Gnarly. Or 98 games played for the Reds, roughly half of those at Great American Ballpark. So what did he have when he was with the Dodgers? More than that. Yeah? Like uh, significantly more? Okay. Yaziel Puig's defensive war starting in 2013 and going to uh, going through present. Okay. 0.4, negative 0.5, negative 0.1, 0.3. In 2017, he had 1.3 defensive wins above replacement. 2018, 0.1. 2019, he had 0.0 for Cincinnati and negative 0.5 for cleveland okay so what am i miss- what are we missing here is it the- is it his value is in his his uh offense most certainly his best year uh was 2014 when he was a all-star and was uh 19th in the mvp voting and he had a um 5.1 war that year and it was all from batting Basically, I thought he was a good defender. Turns out, not. And he wasn't a great hitter for the Reds last year, either. Kind of how it goes. Anyway, Puig is uh, not signed, and I think that's actually my unexpected thing for the year. Um, for the year? or I'm sorry, uh, for the day. For the day, oh my gosh. Uh, Puig is not signed, that's my unexpected thing for the day. Okay. Uh, I think that um, Yasiel Puig needs to be somewhere where he can really hit the ball hard and come back into his like offensive renaissance. And so I was thinking about this, where should he be signed? 
And I think that um, the first place is he should go to Coors Field and be the new right fielder for the Rockies. Now, I don't think that the Rockies actually need a um, need a right fielder. But let's look up real quick who, just for fun. Just for fun. Let's look up who the Rockies right fielder is. Oh, it's Charlie Blackman. Uh, yeah, he's a... Uh, He's an all-star and really quite good. But uh, I think Ian Desmond is not so good. He's a center fielder. I don't know if Puig's really a center fielder. Um, yeah, Charlie Blackman's good. Although I he was only 2.3 war this last year and negative 1.5 defensively. So Puig could be an upgrade, actually. Um, as strange as that is. I guess... Um, Blackman actually has had a little bit of come down. His best years were 16, 17, 4.5, and 5.9 war, respectively. Offensively? Uh, Defensively? That's uh, combined. Sure. And, like, what's the, how's it weighted? Um, in 16, Charlie Blackman had a 4.8 wins above replacement offensively. Negative, or he had a rather positive 0.1 D war. And in 17, 6.40 war, negative 0.2 D war. Okay. Is defensive war just in like typically lower? I mean, uh, yes, uh, because you, every time you come up to bat, you have a chance to contribute to your war. Uh-huh. Whereas every at bat that a, that you are on the field, you don't have a chance to contribute. Got it. Um, and so if you have perfect positioning, maybe, and or if you're a really excellent defender, you may not get that many chances. That said, um, let's just take a look at a another right fielder. We're going to be talking about right fielders a little bit later. So it's like whenever the ball is in play to you, that's when you could or could not have an impact, and therefore your wins above replacement may change. Correct. Uh, infielders also have more opportunities to touch the ball which means they have more opportunities to affect their defensive war um, i just learned so much on this you know there's so much to learn there is uh when mookie betts won the mvp uh two years ago he had 8.7 o war and 1.8 d war so also right fielder um so you can you can dramatically contribute to your overall war by playing defense. In 2016, when Mookie was the runner-up for MVP, he actually had 2.9 war um, against 6.4 offensive war. And let's see here. Oh, who did he lose out in the uh, MVP voting to? But Mike Trout plays center field, a more difficult position. And we were talking about, we were talking about 2016 in 2016, Mike Trout, let's see here. Mike Trout's D War in 2017. Mike Trout's D War was negative 0.04. But uh, he had 7.2 wins above replacement offensively. No, that's all right. I'm talking about 2018. Apologize. 2018, 1.2 wins above replacement. No. Huh. No, we need to go back to 2016. I'm all mixed up. That's fine. I mean, you could tell me any of these numbers, and I believe you. Okay. Well, this is the problem. The numbers <laughs> need to be informative. In 2016, Mike War. 
2016, Mike Trout. Mike won- War in tw- had a 1.3 Trout. In 2016, Mike Trout won the MVP award, and in that year, he had 9.9 offensive war, but he also contributed one defensive win above replacement, which is what pushed him over the edge. Um, Collectively, those two things pushed him to 10.5 war, which is probably why he won the MVP over Mookie Betts, but they're both really, really good that year. Um, Back to Puig. The other place I think he could fit in, and I'm not really sure why, is with the White Sox. And then I, I was just like a gut, a gut feeling. Exactly. Okay. Okay. I don't even know who the White Sox have to play right field right now. Mm-hmm. Probably not somebody good. But I was thinking to myself, if you are a singular player who plays for the the baseball club, the Chicago White Sox, a singular player. Yeah. Like you are, like not more than one. Yes. If you are, if you are, if you do not have split personality, and yeah. are more than one human. No, no, no but like, one player. But like, if you were saying like Chris Sale once played for the White Sox, he was a White Sox. Right. Okay. okay. Is that what is that sure? Is that what it is? Yeah. He was a he was a White Sox and just one sale, not multiple sales, just one. Moving on. Why I, I always got to move on from my puns, huh? Come on. I don't know where else to Come go. Uh, I want to talk about player value by position. Yes. And do just a little bit of breakdown per position as a way of talking about interesting players from last year as kind of a warm up for the season. And so I wanted to start with the uh, highest numerical player in like scoring. Mm-hmm. which would be right fielder, number mm-hmm. nine, and work our way towards catcher and pitcher. In scoring, like on a score sheet, you mean? Yes, yes. Like the position, the number that represents the position. Cool. So we're going to so gonna start with nine, eight, seven, six, et cetera. Yes. Cool. Yes. We're That's exciting, man. Descending order. Hell yeah. So we're starting with right fielders, and I want to talk about right fielders in 2019, and then a little bit of comparison for 2018. So for the sake of this argument, I'm not going to talk about everyone who played a game at right field. Instead, we're going to talk about players who played at least 51% of the games um, playing at least one at-bat at the position of right field and with a minimum of 81 games played. Why 81? It's half the season. Okay. And I thought this gives us a, a fairly uh, good sample size. So in 2019, this is 33 players. Um, some of the names you will recognize very easily, Cody Bellinger, who of course won the MVP, Christian Yelich, Mookie Betts, Aaron Judge, Bryce Harper, blah, blah, blah. Some names that you might not know just off the top of your head, Anthony Santander. You want to guess what team he played for? No. <laughs> he played for Baltimore. Okay. A team I don't care about. You know, I was walking the dog this morning and I saw a pile of scooters that had all fallen over. Uh-huh. And I thought to myself... Looks like uh, a representation of the Baltimore Orioles. Wow. Yep. Ouch. Um, other fun names um, coming up below Anthony Santander. Wait, wait. Why? I don't have a good reason for that. Just they seem like they're kind of a wreck. Let's, okay. All right. A wreck. Okay. Let's just break down what a pile of scooters looks like. What are the feelings that you get with a pile of scooters? Okay. You see a pile of scooters, Kyle, and you think, you have like some kind of emotion and you're like that pile of scooters is sad, sad. That's the only thing. 
sad. Well, okay, so there was one that was like at the base, and then two more that were kind of like propped up on top of it. Okay, but it's like they're all none of them are where they're supposed to be. Right. So like two of them are close to where they're supposed to be, but there's they're they're all still wrong. So it it may be that like they're they're all like throwing the baseball to each other, but they're all in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. That's an okay analogy. That's good. It's not bad. It's pretty weak. It's not bad. It's like a pile and the other teams are pyramids. Or it's like a pile and the other teams are people riding the scooters <laughs> to like a fun bar to go hang out. Got it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And doing jumps and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, high-fiving. Spins. And, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and sometimes yeah. you win, sometimes you lose, but, you like know. holding on to a city bus and like going real fast. Yes. Yeah. That sounds like fun. Yeah. So below Anthony Santander, who was ranked 20th in war for right fielders in our subset, which I'm going to call the baseball tangents, uh, baseball tangents metric or the baseball tangents standard, which is this um, 81 games, 51%. Okay. Which we will use that metric uh, ongoing. Um, below Anthony Santander, the next name on the list, Yasiel Puig. Um other fun names down here, Nick Markakis, who was pretty good in 18, not so good in 19. I'm sorry, how are we ranking these people? Uh, we're currently ranking them by war. Okay, okay. By wins above replacement. So, Yasiel Puig has, is the number two in war of a particular year. Is that what it is? Uh, number 21, actually. Oh, what? What am I thinking? Oh, I was saying a random name that you didn't know was Anthony Santander, who was number 20. Okay. Playing for Baltimore, a team that did not win. That is a pile of scooters. Okay, continue. Disregard me. Um, also interesting on this list, Framil Reyes, who was traded late in the season to Cleveland, also where Yasiel Puig was traded late in the season. Framil Reyes, 0.3 wins above place last year. Last year. Framil Reyes, uh, a good hitter, uh, pretty poor defensively, a very tall man who does not move with a lot of grace. Um, so I found this list to be very interesting, but then I looked at the list from 2018 meeting the same metrics, and I found we have 35 names, and there's a bit of difference. As it turns out, there are 18 players in common between 2018 and 2019 who played at least 81 games and played at least 51% of those games at right field. Now, Cody Bellinger played center field and first base and played a whole bunch of other positions in 2018 so he does not qualify for this list i realize that cody bellinger was also mvp last year but i don't want to talk about him so we're going to talk about some other players here now one of the things that i find to be really fascinating is the difference between um the difference between how a player did in 2018 and how they did in 2019 and so i i what I have done is I've taken the 18 players who um, played enough right field to be interesting for me in 2018 and 2019. And I looked at those players and looked at the difference between their war between the two years. And one of the things that I found that was really fascinating is actually that Mookie Betts had one of the biggest drop-offs as a right fielder because he went from 10.9 war to 6.8 war. Um, he went from a MVP season to sixth, I think, in the MB- MVP voting, but it was still very good. Um, 
other players that had a uh, sizable drop-off, actually, um, Framil Reyes went from 1.6 war to 0.3. His defense was not good. Uh, Dexter Fowler went from positive war to negative war, 1.7 to negative 1.4. Um, yeah, that's pretty much what we're looking at there. Um, Adam Eaton got better. He got healthier. He played uh, 30 more games. Um, Bryce Harper, um, Bryce Harper got quite a bit better. Um, yeah, Bryce Harper's not good, but then again, he put, did put up 4.2 war this year, so I could be wrong. So is he good? Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's, uh, it's hard to say. So I have questions. Oh, I just want to go one more name here. Do it. Um, Randall Gritchick, who played for Toronto and I, I like Toronto generally, Randall Gritchick, uh, had some sort of an implosion. He went from 2.2 to 0.3 war in playing 30 more games. What happened? I don't know. Is it, uh, you think there's like an influence of the rest of his team? Possibly. Or is this all on him? Don't know. It's a good question. I I really don't, I don't know. But yeah, Grinchik, 2.2 to 0.3 war. So what happens like, like to a guy like that? Do you drop him? Well, quickly, I, I mean, do you let him like give it, give him a chance? Two point two war is interesting, but point um, three war is not not that interesting. And I feel like Toronto is a team that is pretty close to being able to, to compete. So let's take a look here. Randall Grichik, um is playing right field for Toronto. Let's take a quick look at Toronto, who plays in the AL East in a division that is very competitive. Randall Gritchick is, is supposedly going to be their right fielder, at least according to baseball reference at the moment. If I look at other players who are available, Brandon Drury, utility player, um, Bill McKinney, Jonathan Davis, Alan Hansen, uh, who I believe came recently from the... Um, Alan Hansen came from the, uh, did he come from the Giants? Yep, yep. Alan Hansen played 110 games for the Giants in 2018. Um, let's see. Yep, I think that's that's what we got there. Uh, I don't know if they got a better option. Could be a place to upgrade, but you might hope that he bounces back. I don't think he's on a huge contract, so that's um, that's possibly what's going to help Randall Gritchick. Let's see here. He's on a... Five-year, $52 million contract signed through 2023. So if he puts up two wins above replacement, he's worth his $10 million a year. If he does not put up two wins above replacement, he's not worth that. It's so funny like how tiny these numbers are, yet it's just like these tiny margins, but it's really important, you know? And like they're huge. Uh, the difference that a couple of points can make. Yeah, and he's young. He's going to be 28. So they've got him signed through like the heart of his heart of his um you know, his best time, his best best playing years and hopefully those years are still ahead of him. Um but generally right fielders pretty interesting group uh last year, but I would expect a little bit more. I would expect to see some bounce backs. The other piece here would be that you know some players are going to get more playing time like Mike Yastrzemski um I think the Giants are going to lean on him more um 
I think that you're going to see a guy like Max Kepler. Uh, he put up four wins above replacement for Minnesota last year. They brought in Josh Donaldson. Nelson Cruz is continuing to be there. I think that the Twins are going to continue improving, and then Kepler could be a big part of that. I don't know how much more room for improvement he has, what you know, what upside he has, but he was pretty good last year, and he was sixth uh, overall for right fielders and more, um, just behind Bryce Harper and making a lot less money. So that's, that's good for Minnesota. Maybe he could spend some of that money on putting some more pitching around him. Okay, so question. Yep. Like, did you learn anything about this group that, uh, in terms of characteristics of a of a of this position? Well, I did learn that players who are getting on the older side are starting to struggle more. Arcakis had a down year, unfortunately, for Atlanta. Adam Jones had a terrible year; he probably should retire. Um, and, How old are these guys? Uh. 47. Good, good question. Not looking them up. No, Adam Jones is 35, mid 30s. Yeah. Mark Hake is probably a little bit younger than that. Did you see this guy in the uh, the NHL, the Hurricanes, where the guy, the uh, 42 year old like Zamboni driver, stepped in to be a goalie? Yeah, it was incredible. It's kind of it's kind of crazy. I mean, does that happen? It, 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 we should find that out. When's the last time that, uh, or like, can this even happen by the rules? Can you have somebody from who knows where? Somebody's not on the roster. At the moment, can they jump in? I think that because goalie is a specialized position, um, and teams can only carry a couple goalies. I think there's hockey. only two, right? Yeah, I think that the there's a like an injury provision. I don't know if the same thing exists in baseball, um, but it, baseball plays more games, right? So if right. they lose a game, it's not really that big of a deal. But it's worth looking up um, for for reference. Uh, this the same situation happened to the Chicago Blackhawks a couple of years ago and I think it was a lawyer or maybe yeah, an accountant I think you're right um, like and that was just somebody from the stands I think I think that they have people who are kind of like on call really like they, they could have a list really but the really, I guess that makes sense the fascinating thing about the Canes situation is that the uh the guy was actually had played in the AHL for a Toronto affiliate mm-hmm. and Toronto was the team that the Hurricanes were playing right it was in Toronto yeah, yeah. which which would make sense right yeah of course um yeah so i didn't learn as much as i would hope to have learned uh Dexter Fowler in my memory didn't have a good year last year but put up 1.7 war i think they were expecting more from him, more from him uh, in St. Louis, but St. Louis probably also expecting more from some of the other veterans like Paul Goldschmidt and uh, Matt Carpenter. And when those guys don't perform, it makes it all that more glaring when someone like Dexter Fowler isn't performing. So if Goldie's doing better, Fowler can kind of dwindle off into the into the twilight and it doesn't really matter. But when they're all not playing well, it gets uh, a little more obvious. So I don't know what all information you have here, what all data you're looking at, but are there are there any things that you would say, uh, like collectively, the right fielder position should improve on, and like that would make for better baseball, or that would, you know, that would make for better. I don't know. Well, right fielders typically are valued as hitters first, and then strong arms, because if a ball comes down the right field line, uh, it's often their plays to the plate there, because mm-hmm. the the um, right fielders, you know, sometimes they are also called upon to throw 
across the field to third base when somebody mm-hmm. running on triple. Um, there's some pretty famous plays of like Vladimir Guerrero Sr., now that his son is also playing. Vladdy throwing throwing people out uh, from deep and right field on a beautiful strike to third. And Puig actually also has a couple of these yeah. which is a missile arms. But some of these guys pretty low D war and if you're not hitting and not playing plus defense you're going to be on the bottom of this list and let's see here the starting at 24th the bottom nine players here didn't have a full win above replacement or they were in the negative a bunch of people were just kind of there nothing special are there any skills that are missing from the position that should be there i don't know not that speed I, not that i know of uh you don't really really a center fielder has got to have the speed mm-hmm. to make up the range that you probably lose on a left and right fielder because that's kind of where you put your better hitters who are not great defensively okay also sometimes first base but first base is a position that does require some athleticism mm-hmm. yeah this right field right field was interesting last year but not the best did, did produce uh, Cody Bellinger's MVP, a uh, shortened season for Yelich, who may have been MVP uh, if he had played a full season. Um, he played 26 games less than Cody Bellinger. Yelich, of course, was the MVP two years ago. Um, yeah, I mean, there's like the top in talent, top six guys are all pretty good. Michael Conforto, seventh with 3.5 war. Not a bad season for the Mets in 151 games, but of course the Mets didn't make the playoffs. So that's kind of how it goes. Um, yeah. Cool, man. So in the in the things that I have left, um, yeah, that's everything I have on the have on the board. You um, you talked about Puig. I think you should predict where he will go. You said that where you said mm. there are a couple of places where he might like where it makes sense. Well, I don't know who needs off the top of my head, I don't know who needs a right fielder most. But um looking at looking at the teams, looking at who had poor war performances last year out of right field, uh Pittsburgh, Melky Cabrera was not not good last year. Um, Atlanta could probably use some help. Um, I think Hunter Renfro may have been traded from San Diego, so they may be able to use some help. And of course, they traded away Fran Mel Reyes. And I want to say Cleveland could use some help, but Cleveland did not re-sign Puig. So, uh, and I think Cleveland is kind of in, in a trade now mode. So yeah, it's uh it's tough to tough to say. Okay. Should we get into the game? We should. Okay. Let's do this. Are you ready? Yep. Are you sure? Yes. Chicago White Sox. <laughs> Not ready for that. Okay. I gave you a bunch of warm ups, a bunch of softballs last week, just lobbed them up there, let you go for it. Chicago White Sox, right field. It's right in front of you. It's right in front of yeah, you. Yeah, but I'm not looking it up. Okay, don't look. Yeah, don't, I can uh, see you're not looking. It's not Melky because he went to Pittsburgh. Yeah, I don't know. 
Did anybody play and did anybody play enough for the White Sox to meet make my list? Oh, Ryan Cordell. That's not who I have. But who knows? I could be wrong here. Nomar Mazzara. Oh, Nomar Mazzara was traded there. Boom. Yes, that's why I was confused because Nomar Mazzara was with Texas uh, last year. So I don't think Puig is going to go to the White Sox. Good point. Boom. Yeah. Detroit Tigers. Another team that's not that good. Just trying to, I'm trying to like stretch your mind here. Okay. But it's just kind of like these are kind of softballs too because I'm just I'm also going to say right field. Tigers right field. Well. Um, Castellanos before he was traded to the Cubbies and now he's signed with the Reds um, can I give you a hint yeah go for it first name of Ferris Bueller's best friend I'm I'm total blank right now Cameron oh yeah no idea Mabin uh, yeah you know uh, fun fun fact about Cameron Mabin not fun actually Zero percent fun back. Oh, Cameron Mabin uh, was in Giants camp last year, and the Giants cut him after DUI. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, there's just, there's no excuse for that. I'm gonna I'm gonna put my foot down and be serious for a second. There's no excuse for that in 2020. And you know who picked him up after? Um, well, it was in 2019, but still. Sure, there's ride sharing is everywhere. It's uh, like there's just the end. Yeah. Uh, Cameron Maven then was picked up by the Yankees uh, early on in the season and was fairly productive for for the Yankees until they signed someone else. I don't remember actually what the uh, what happened there, but I'm not surprised that he went back to the Detroit Tigers because he had been with the Tigers when he first came up in 2007 and then again in 2016. Yeah. Cameron Maven has been all over the place. Yeah, he played for Miami, Seattle, and the Yankees last year. I'm sorry, he played for Seattle and the Yankees last year. Total of, uh... No, that's wrong again. Cameron Maven played for Miami and Seattle in 2018, and they played 82 games for the Yankees last year. Just makes the cut. Uh, except that he doesn't make the cut because he didn't play the, all those games at at right field. Right field, got it. He played um, primarily left field, then right field, then center, and then designated hitter in that order. Let's see here. He played thirty six games in right field and was about average. Tangential positions. One might say. Sure. Last one. You ready? Maybe not. Atlanta Braves. Right field. Mark Higgins. That's not who I have here, but you're probably right because you're you, you know? Um, well, okay. So it it could also be uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. It is. Okay. So I guess Mark Higgins is probably in left then, um, but they might move these guys around quite a bit. It, I think it depends on who's healthy. Are you sure this guy Mark Hignes is playing? Nick Markakis? Mark Markakis? Oh, there he is. Nick Markakis, yes. Mark Hakis is kind of how his name is spelled, but Nick Markakis, yeah. 
He was drafted. Not number one on the depth chart, uh, or at least the one I'm looking at. Yeah, I could believe it. He's had a down year last year. Um, Nick Markakis, interestingly, drafted in 2001 by the Cincinnati Reds in the 35th round out of high school. Then the next year, the Cincinnati Reds drafted him in the 23rd round (laughs) from Young Harris College, wherever that is, in Young Harris, Georgia. And then in 2003, the Baltimore Orioles drafted him seventh overall from Young Harris College. He played his first um, eight seasons for Baltimore before being traded to Atlanta. He was uh, 18th in MVP voting in 2018. Okay. Uh, He was 18th with 2.6 war. Let's see here. Did anybody have lower war than him in the NL MVP voting? Oh, he actually had... uh, uh, did anybody? Let's see here. No, he was lowest in war. Lowest in war, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. Ronald Acuna Jr. had uh, 4.1 war. Oh, Ronald Acuna was not lowest. No, uh, Nick Marquez. Ronald Acuna, oh, okay. better than Nick Marquez. Ronald Acuna Jr. is a young phenom, and they signed him very early on to a, uh, Atlanta signed him very early on to a, a big contract. Eight years, $100 million. He signed Goodness. to 2026 with a 27 and 28 team option. That is a type of deal that is not player-friendly, although it is a $100 million check. Because it's eight years? It is eight years, and it is below his value. Because um, in 2019, he produced 5.5 wins above replacement. His black ink, he led the league in plate appearances, runs, and stolen bases last year. He was fifth in MVP voting, and in his rookie year, he was rookie of the year. So he should be paid more is what you're saying? Oh, yes. Yeah. 5.5 war roughly, and stuck. Is, roughly is worth $40 million. He stuck for eight years? Uh, yes. Yeah, because he's, no long, he's no longer in arbitration. But You know what they say? Acuna what? Matata. Well, he is Venezuelan. I don't know if his family is in the states but a hundred million dollars of course after tax means that he probably has take home closer to like 35 or 40 mm-hmm. um is going to be life-changing money right mm-hmm. um and the ability for him to move his family to the states or to a um safe and comfortable place where they don't necessarily need to work or can they can do more of their passion versus maybe something that's more laborious um that's that's pretty huge and i I can't blame a guy for taking a hundred million dollar contract because you don't know if you're going to be healthy and in arbitration he's got to he got to perform and then even then an arbiter is going to try to tell you try to try to determine if you or the team are correct and while the team wants you to do well in arbitration, it's quite ugly because the team is trying to describe how you're not good. Right. And it's just not not pretty. No. Well, we're way over time. We are. And you're just completely ignoring my puns at this point. <laughs> I mean, as, as one does. Acuna Matata? Are you kidding me? That was <laughs> solid, man. That was really good. It was That's good. an ace pun for the day. There we go. Anyway. Would you say that's a Madison Bumgarner level pun or like a Clayton Kershaw level pun? It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. 
What is it? What is his name again? Mason Saunders. Who is this Mason Saunders, and where does he live? And where does he live? 